Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. We got a good interview today. Uh, we're going to be talking with a gentleman named Jeremy Heath, and he's from a company called American Turnkey Properties. He's got a real unique story because he's not from around these parts. He's from a different country, really, really far away, a country that I would love to go to someday. And I talked to my kids about it. In fact, we were just talking about Australia the other day with my kids. But anyway, I want to let you guys know, first of all, that if you don't have my book yet, you need to get it. It's my book called Wholesaling Lease Options. If you want to get the book and learn how I quit my job and how I was able to, uh, while I was making good money as an engineer, I was making more money flipping real estate part-time than I was in my full-time job. And I did it through a really simple, easy strategy called Wholesaling Lease Options. And I wrote a book all about it. You can get it at WLObook.com, WLObook.com. It's free. Just pay shipping and handling. I'll send it out to you. And it's full of a bunch of juicy goodness. It's all good. It's all good stuff. Not a bunch of promotion. It's like all real good content. So go get it. You can't get it at Amazon. You can only get it at WLObook.com. All right. Enough of that. We got Jeremy. Jeremy Heath, how are you? I'm good, Jared. Thanks for having me. Good. You With your accent, you don't sound like you're from the United States. No, mate. I'm still, uh, the accent is still with me. I've, uh, I arrived in 2006, 13 years ago, but I still say 13. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, good for you. I mean, have you found though that your your accent you do lose it a little bit do, when you go back home or talk to your mates back home? Do you do you get do they give you a hard time? Ah, oh, yeah, definitely. And I think the funny thing is because I'm actually heading back to Australia tomorrow just by by chance. And uh, whenever I go back, my wife even starts to have a hard time sometimes understanding me when I'm hanging around with my mates. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> well, so, yeah. uh, you you were referred to me by some really good friends of mine that uh, are, are pretty active in the real estate space. And you got quite a unique story because you, from Australia, and I don't want to steal your thunder here, but you started investing in the United States. And uh, you even wrote a book about it called 10,000 Miles to the American Dream. So will you tell us a little bit about your story? Tell us where you're from. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm originally from Sydney, Australia. And uh, I heard you mention that you'd, uh, you'd actually quit an engineering job. I, I studied civil engineering, but in the, in the corporate, I then got into the corporate world and I worked as a management consultant for about 12 years. And uh, that job is what brought me here to the US. And uh, when I arrived, I literally had one suitcase with me. I still own the suitcase. And uh, I kind of had a plan that I'd be here for a year or two and uh, you know, get, get a bit of corporate experience in the US. And uh, you know, met my wife and got married and the rest is history. Hmm. Well, what, 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 maybe I missed it, but what year did you come to the U S I arrived in 2006. Okay. Yes. You said that. Yeah. Before. Um, 2006. And then I got, uh, I was married in 2008 and it was actually, uh, right around the time when I got married, I'd realized like, man, I'm, I'm going to be in the U S probably for the rest of my life. And, uh, so that was when I started to think about other options outside of my corporate job. You know, I kind of felt like my, I'm going to have a lot of family back in Australia and I wanted 
to have the ability to go back and see them without having to, you know, go to my boss and ask for time off, et cetera. So that's kind of what led me towards real estate to get started. Okay. So you were not looking at real estate from Australia. This was after you came here to the U S that's where my wires were crossed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and actually it, it's interesting because a, a lot of the guys, this uh, book that I uh, helped to co-author, co-author 10,000 miles to the American dream. A lot of the guys that, uh, they all, all the guys now live here in the U.S. and invest in real estate, but they didn't all come here with that intent. And I think um, one of the things that we do talk about in the book is the fact that America really has you know, some of the best real estate investing opportunities in the world. And I think for us guys from Australia, um, we didn't even realize how good it was until we came here. It wasn't our intention. But uh, once we were here and we saw the difference between the opportunities here and what what we had back home, we had uh, no other choice than to give it a shot. Nice. Why here though? Why in the U.S.? You you have investment real estate, don't you, in Australia? Yeah, I think there's a few things about the U.S. which make it a special place for real estate investing. Probably one of the biggest differences in the single family space is the cash flow that can be generated on rental properties uh, here versus in Australia. The best comparison that I would have is if you think of properties in expensive places on the East Coast like New York or places in California, it's pretty much impossible to cash flow your properties. And uh, Sydney's pretty much like that all over. Um, so you, you don't have these markets where you can be cash flow positive on properties uh, when you leverage with them. Okay. Is, that, is it like that in, in the entire country or just in Sydney though? You know, it's pretty much nationwide. I guess the thing with Australia is – you have the major cities and outside of that, it's, it's pretty small places. And so, you know, as a, as a rule of thumb, it's, it's pretty difficult to get stuff to cash flow. Um, so much so that the government actually has a tax break over there, which is known as negative gearing. And essentially negative gearing is just the ability to write off your losses from your real estate investments against your income. And everybody in Australia is con- has been convinced that this is a really positive, this is a really great strategy to, to buy an investment property that you're losing money on, write it off against your income and have the, the tax savings. And uh, that's that's kind of as good as it gets back there on the cash flow stuff. Well, it sounds like, you know, it's a good, uh, people um, are, are happy for the government to give them back money that wasn't theirs to begin with. It's like when people here in the US, we get a tax refund and we get all excited. But does the IRS, the government, do they pay us interest for holding our money? No, but do we have to pay interest on late taxes? Yep. Yeah, it's, I, I get what you're saying. It's a frustrating process. Yeah, definitely. So, Jeremy, I'm looking at your book on Amazon. There's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys that have helped yep. write it. Is that right? Yep, yep. And you're all from Australia. Yep, all from Australia. We all have a pretty similar story, which is part of the reason why we decided to write a book. We all came here not knowing, not with an intention to, to be here for life, but found the opportunities to be so great. A lot of us ended up marrying American women. <laughs> so yeah. um, we've got that all in common. And um, and then I guess we're now just, you know, super passionate about uh, about real estate and, and also helping others to understand the opportunities that are here. You know, I think one thing that we all felt collectively in writing the book is that a lot of people who have grown up in America don't fully understand or maybe have an appreciation for how good not only the country is but how good these um, investing opportunities are and uh you know our our story is you know hey if if a bunch of blokes from australia can come here and do it anyone can do it 
Very interesting. So do you guys all work together? Do you all have your own separate businesses? Yeah, we all have. Uh, we're all involved in, in different uh, type of real estate and asset classes. I mean, th- there are a few of the guys that uh, overlap a little bit in the man- multifamily space, but we work independently. Uh, but I guess we collaborate, you know, collectively together. And um, another reason why we felt the book was a good a good thing to share is that we, we did uh, represent different asset classes. So, you know, I was a single family guy that was speaking about turnkey real estate. Um, another guy in the group, Bryce Robinson, he was the mobile park guy. Um, we had a couple of multifamily guys, which was uh, Reed Goosens and uh, Kevin Dillon. And, uh, and yeah, it's a, a, a hotel guy, Mark. Um, so, you know, it's a broad spectrum of uh, asset classes. So we try to give the readers a little taste of, of the different asset classes that are out there so that they could kind of pick the one that, you know, suited their their personality or their goals and then maybe dive into that in a bit more detail. Nice. So again, this book, guys, is 10,000 Miles to the American Dream, Our Story of Financial Freedom by the Real Estate Mates. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, you can get it on uh, Kindle or paperback. Uh, you mentioned the words opportunities. What, what are some of the opportunities that makes real estate in the United States unique? Yeah, well, in, in my uh, chapter, I cover the, the five main reasons why people should consider uh, turnkey real estate investing. And uh, for those, uh, some of your listeners may not uh, may not have come across that term turnkey real estate before. So just to kind of explain that, turnkey real estate is real estate that's offered to investors who are looking for cash flow and to build wealth without all the headaches of uh, you know having to buy, buy, find the property, rehab the property, put a tenant in place, and then manage it. All that the investors really have to do is come up with the capital um, or the bank financing, and they would purchase a property that's already been rehabbed with the tenant, and then our company would continue the management of that. Um, so, you know, it really takes the headaches out of it, and it really uh, makes investing in real estate very easy for the investors. Okay. So what are some of the markets that you guys are in? The market that I'm focused in is San Antonio, Texas, but I do think that one of the things that's unique about the U.S. is there's lots of markets that really do offer these strong cash flows. And then the other thing that I think is is pretty unique in America is there's also markets that exhibit uh, strong market appreciation, and that's two of the five benefits that I cover. And I think when you can find that combination of a market that's um, got a good outlook for, for strong appreciation combined with uh, the strong cash flows so that you can be cash flow positive and pay down your debt, that's kind of the, the two big things that are going to help you put together a portfolio that's going to build a lot of wealth over time. What, what's your typical or what's your average house that you're selling or that you're maybe even teaching people to look for? We, we're focused on the properties that have an ARV of somewhere between 140 to 180 would be our sweet spot. Uh, when I first got involved in investing, I, uh, I actually had built a small portfolio of lower end rentals and I ended up selling them all because the experience that I had was, was not good. You know, I, I found that the tenants were tough to deal with. We had a lot of evictions. We had a lot of uh, maintenance issues and houses getting trashed. And so in the early days, I, I just kind of gave up on the, on the rentals. And then, uh, you know, fast forward a few years, I started to realize that, you know, I, I had an epiphany, I guess, you know, I, I'd realized even though I'd been flipping a bunch of houses, you know, it, it was really more about how many I could hold rather than how many I could flip. And so, 
I personally started to build out a portfolio which was focused on higher quality assets. And uh, the strategy, I guess, that we have is, you know, rehab the properties to the highest level of quality, um, pick properties that are in quality locations, and then that's going to attract a quality tenant that's going to provide a quality experience through that uh, leasing process. And then for our owners and clients, that gives them, you know, a, a, a quality experience overall as well. Well, I just looked at Redfin in San Antonio and I found 672 homes listed for sale. I just did a quick search between 150, 175,000. So real close to that range you were talking about. These homes are pretty easy to find. Are you trying to get them with some built-in equity in them? What, what makes a good deal? Yeah, I think, you know, for us with our clients, we're selling them. We try, we try to have a little bit of equity built in up front. But I think more than that, what we focus on is really doing a, a quality rehab from the outset uh, because we, we really try to provide the investors with, uh, you know, a, a predictable investment for the first five to ten years. So, like, as an example, when you're looking at comparable sales for one of our properties that, say, is worth 150000 you know, it's probably going to have carpet in a lot of the rooms. It may have some cheaper wood laminate and tile in some sections. Um, for us, however, you know, if we're rehabbing something like that for turnkey, um, we're, we're currently putting in these uh, wood tile planks that are ceramic, and we'll do the whole house in that. And it, it looks like a hardwood floor. I mean, it looks beautiful, but the thing about it is it's, it's a ceramic tile that's going to last for 20 years or more. And so – we like to try and remodel the house in a way that uh, the maintenance cost moving forward is going to be is going to be low, so that um, the investor returns can be maximized. Okay. So this hundred and fifty thousand dollars house I'm looking at right now would rent for, according to Zillow, about twelve hundred a month. Does it sound about right? I would say one hundred and fifty would probably be more, maybe more around thirteen hundred. Okay. So what kind of ROI? Um, are you advertising or do you even advertise what kind of returns investors can expect? Yes. Well, I mean, typically for these properties, you're going to be somewhere in the range of six to 7% uh, if it was an all cash purchase. Now with the appreciation that we've seen in the last couple of years, the houses have gone up in value a little faster than the rent. So sometimes it's trending down in that five and a half percent range. Um, but I think in saying that it's important to also mention that, you know, a lot of turnkey companies have different way of coming up with that percentage. So when we're calculating that percentage, we take out um, all of the taxes and insurance, and then we have uh, the management fee taken out, and then a 10% factor for vacancies uh, and maintenance as well. So it's, it's, it's a true, you know, we try to get to a true um, return that you would get from uh, holding that asset. And what, how did you calculate, or what do you take out again? Could you repeat that? Yeah, so we'll get we'll get the gross rent. So let's say that thirteen hundred dollars in rents, and then we'll we'll take out the property taxes and the insurance that would need to be paid, um, the property management fees, and then we'll throw in a ten percent uh, factor for the vacancies and the maintenance costs as well. So, about what is that on on average? What is that total as a percentage of the rent? You're looking probably around sixty percent of, of as a total of the rent, and um, Part of the reason. So the expenses will be 60% of the rent? Uh, so the expenses will be about 40%. Yeah, and then, okay. And that'll be about 60. Yeah. And, you know, a big chunk of it is is the property taxes. But I think uh, because Texas does have some higher property taxes, but the thing to offset that, that I think Texas has is 
the growth that's going on here. So, you know, over the last 15 years, the growth has been tremendous. And uh, I think, you know, the outlook moving forward is, is for more of the same. Um, so we're seeing a lot of appreciation coming in over time. Nice. Have you ever um, have you ever heard of a website called dealcheck.io? Uh, no, I don't think I've come across that. I had this guy on my podcast a couple years ago, and he created this software. It's phenomenal. It's called DealCheck, dealcheck.io, and I don't remember how much I paid. It was ridiculous, 50 bucks for the year, something like that. And uh, it helps you come up with – it helps you analyze properties. And so you figure out, okay, well, if I'm going to – Buy a house for 130, and I'm going to finance 80 percent of that. What are my purchase costs, rehab costs, and then it analyzes based based on the rents what um, kind of return your buy and hold projections are you going to have, and uh, it's pretty fascinating how this thing works. And then it gives you a worksheet where you can figure out and you can change all of your estimations, right? So if I change the rent to 1300 a month. 10% vacancies, operating expenses, 40% of rent, appreciation. Do you calculate appreciation when you when you put these, when you give clients numbers like this? Uh, no, we did, we did not factor them in. I, I have a separate process where I do like a consultation with clients. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I have an Excel model where I, I do put it in the Excel model, but when we're selling them, I don't put it in that uh, selling material. So if the if the current value of the home is 150, you're hoping to let's just say what get it for 140 for them. Yeah, we try to try to be around there, and I think it depends on how, on how much further we've gone with the finish out, you know, because I think our comparables are, our houses are probably are worth more than the truth comparables because of the quality of the the flooring and things like that. So your investment returns, you use a cap rate. Do you base that on, or do you do like a cash on cash return? Because there's different or return on investment. There's different ways you can calculate all that, right? Yeah, yeah. What what do you use again? So we'll just do the straight uh, the straight return, which is if you did an all cash purchase, and then another metric that we would show in our marketing material is the cash on cash return. And so for the cash on cash return, we assume uh, that the investors are getting are putting twenty percent down. They're financing on a 30-year note with 5% interest. And uh, the cash-on-cash cash returns with those type of assumptions is, you know, t- in the range of 10%. And that's not including any, uh, you know, appreciation, of course. Right, okay. Interesting. Because, you know, I've, I'll tell you a little bit of my story. There was back in 2012, so can you believe it, seven years ago, uh, I was doing a bunch of lease options. I started transitioning, doing a bunch of wholesaling. And... um was working really hard at the time trying to find deals to sell to my buyers. And I saw so much money coming back into the market back in 2012, 2013, and 14. I actually transitioned all my marketing to finding buyers instead. Finding buyers, and then I knew there were deals out there. So I started just advertising, finding other investors to bring me their deals. And so I was kind of acting like a turnkey investor, except I wasn't, I was intentionally not buying in any of the properties and holding them myself, fixing them up myself, and then selling them. If anything, I was just bringing deals to my buyers, telling them, okay, here's three property management companies that you can interview. Here are three contractors that you can call and talk to. There you go. And uh, incredibly lucrative. I mean, we were averaging at the time 
two to three deals a week with this. And, um, and then I had an acquisitions manager, long story short, we just decided to stop working together and do something different. But, um, it was very, it was very easy. <laughs> Actually, I love your business model. You're finding is the main thing that you're doing, finding the buyers. And then you have other rehabbers and whole or, you know, other investors and property managers, realtors bring you their deals. Uh, we actually are set up to handle the whole, whole process end to end. So, okay. you know, we'll do the direct marketing to sellers to find the deals. And then uh, our acquisitions team will, will lock up the contracts. Um, we then have our construction team handling the remodeling process. And then, uh, and then it flips across to our property management company, uh, which is managing uh, a little over 100 houses at the moment. And uh, we'll do the management piece as well. Well, you're doing everything. Yeah, yeah, we're kind of a one-stop shop for it all. <laughs> wow. And how's that working out for you? Yeah, I think it's 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 been uh, you know, it's been fun putting it together and growing and and you know, the reason why I really wanted to do it that way is I wanted to I wanted to know from the outset, especially on the construction side, you know, I knew that if we could control the rehab and and make sure it was done to the right level of quality, that would make the management piece a lot easier. And then I think the other the other part that was important to me was by owning the management piece, that's really that's really the true experience that the customer who buys the house is going to have from you over the long term. And so I wanted to make sure that we controlled that so that we could give our clients the best service and really deal with them directly um, and get their feedback directly so we could continue to you know put things in place that are going to address their needs. And so you're staying involved the whole time? Yeah, we're, we're involved from, uh, from the acquisition right through the end of the deal. And then even... I like to, like I said, I like to try and uh, set ourselves up as a one-stop shop. So, you know, I'll, I'll help my, in my investors, uh, you know, I'll get them connected with local banks if they want to get refinancing or I'll get them connected with insurance companies for good deals on insurance, you know, attorney if they need some entity, you know, entity uh, set up and things like that. Um, so really just try to provide all the services that are needed for them to put together a portfolio uh, that's going to build them wealth over time. Good. Now is San Antonio where do you live? Do you live in that market? Yeah, this is where this is where I reside and uh you know, I'd been like I mentioned a little earlier, I'd been flipping a lot of houses and, and I just realized, man, it's I mean I flipped a lot, but I just realized I've got to, I've got to hold more and then I'd I'd started to become aware of this turnkey model a few years back and when I and so I did some research on San Antonio in particular, you know, um, just starting to understand the cash flows and the market appreciation and stuff like that and I, I soon realized like man I, I think I'm sitting in one of the in a top five market for doing this in the country you know and uh, so I was kind of uh, fortunate that I was here but I, but I feel like it's really the perfect place uh, for this type of model not, not only for the short-term cash flows but I think the the appreciation in San Antonio if you look at the major cities in Texas San Antonio is one of the smaller ones, but it's probably the one that's got the biggest upside with potential growth, um, especially with you know Hispanic community and proximity to Mexico. So I see this place explode in the next ten to twenty years. So you're out there finding your own deals, you're buying them, fixing them up, and then selling them to an, a landlord, and you stay managing the whole process. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Do you ever have other people bring you deals? Yeah, we do. Uh, you know, we work uh, with some wholesalers locally who will bring us deals. So we, you know, we're, we're actively always networking where the people know the type of properties we're looking for. And definitely a, a decent, probably 25% of what we pick up would be through wholesalers. 
Do you find that what's your uh, read on the market? Is it getting tight, harder to find deals? I think that it's certainly been getting more competitive over time. Uh, you know, there's a couple of big things driving that. I think you know, one is the big iBuyers uh, coming into to certain markets. So obviously, you know, they're doing a lot of marketing and taking up a, a big chunk of uh, of the houses out there. And then, and then I think also. You know, it's so much easier today than, let's say, 10 years ago for somebody, you know, in their 20s to learn about real estate and to basically set up their own little real estate business, whether it's wholesaling or flipping, you know, even things like all of when you think of all the technology, like things like Podio and, you know, the systems that are out there um, and also the educational content. I just think there's a whole new pool of people coming through that are, you know, that are getting into this and, and uh, creating a more competitive marketplace. Yeah. What is the market like in San Antonio? Are properties flying off the shelf pretty quick? Is it starting to slow down? Yeah, I'd say, you know, the interest rate hikes definitely, uh, on, I'd say on, on the, on the higher end stuff, like if you're looking at houses over, over two fifty, then there's definitely been a pretty, a, a pretty significant slowdown. But I think on the cheaper stuff, it's still really strong, and uh, I think as there's been more pressure on the affordability of the houses, it's just compressing more people into that space, which is that median price between like a hundred to two hundred thousand. And so th- I think that that, that section is as strong as ever. I'm looking at Redfin again, and I'm looking at houses, just houses, single family homes, priced between a hundred and two hundred thousand that have been on the market over ninety days. There's two or 350 of them, 350 properties. Are you surprised by that number or do you think it would be, that's pretty average? I would say that that, that doesn't sound like many houses to me when you consider, you know, San Antonio's, the MSA is up around 2 million in San Antonio. And yeah. so, you know, to just, I'm like, wow, yeah, that's, that probably tells a bit of a story there. <laughs> well, if I, if I take, out just the houses filter there's 823 so i don't know if that's like condos townhomes some new construction it looks like here but i've often wondered you know like there's a huge opportunity yeah so if i just go back and say only houses forget condos townhouses multifamilies vacant land etc there's um 347 properties that have been on Redfin or the MLS over 90 days. I wonder if, you know, if somebody's looking for deals, if you just targeted those houses and started making offers on them, if you could find good potential rental properties for clients, because these are a lot of these are properties that don't need a lot of work. They're in really good shape. You would think the sellers, maybe you're starting to get motivated if it's been on the market now, three, four five months not getting any offers or not sold it yet. They are starting to realize their price is probably too high. I don't know. Just thinking out loud. I think it's a great strategy. I might try that. <laughs> yeah, it's a great strategy for sure. You know, I think, uh, yeah, as people, as people, obviously as time goes on, people get motivated. And, um, and I think you're, you're, you're very correct in saying, you know, if they don't need that much work, they're really, they're really ideal as, as rental properties. So, and one of the things that I've learned from flipping a lot of houses is, you know, you can clog up your pipeline pretty quickly by getting in deep on on a on several big rehabs at once. And so, 
we really try to streamline stuff now and have the discipline of saying no to houses that need larger rehabs because we understand that they're the ones that take all the, the attention away from everything else. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of homes. I just excluded the new construction. Mm-hmm. And now there's 239. That um, And a lot of these have been on the market over 120 days. I'm just wondering, like, that's four months. That's probably maybe more like the normal average of what people used to be able to uh, expect to sell their houses on. But San Antonio is a hot market. And you got to wonder, like, why are these homes on the market for so long? And uh, would the seller be negotiable on their price? One of the things I used to do a lot, and I don't know why I'm getting onto this tangent, but like we would have our VAs go and look at all of the old properties, not old, but like properties that have been on the MLS for over 30 days and look for all of the ones that need work. They need updating. And if they if they hadn't sold in 30 days, there's there's probably a good reason. It just needs too much work or it's overpriced. And we would just contact the realtors. And uh, my VAs would email them and ask some questions. Hey, is the house still available? Um, what's what's going on? Why do you think it hasn't sold yet? And without saying things like, it looks like it needs a bunch of work, we would ask them, why, <laughs> why hasn't it sold yet? And then we'd ask them simple questions like, do you think the seller is, is uh, negotiable on their price? And we would be surprised the realtors would tell us things like, yeah, they would be. And sometimes we would ask them, well, what do you think it would take to get this deal done? And they would tell us sometimes the price that the seller would take. Now that's totally against realtor rules. They're not allowed to do that. But sometimes, you know, these realtors, they just know that these houses aren't going to sell and they know why they're not selling. And they just, you know, sometimes the sellers need some time to cook. I don't know if I'm making any sense there. I totally, I totally agree with you on that, Joe. Like, you know, one of the things that I think is so interesting in, in this business is everybody's looking for deals and, you know, a lot of people spending a lot of money to find sellers. And, you know, you just in one minute found 230 or so sellers and a decent portion of them are probably motivated to some extent because their house has been listed for more than four months. So. <laughs> You know, it's, that's a nice cheap way to, to find a little pool of. Uh, I'm sure there's a few contracts in that little in that little set of houses, no doubt. <laughs> well, yeah, and you can have a VA make these offers for you. Not maybe at least make the initial contact with the listing agent. Send a text. Send an email. Hey, is that house still available? Just kind of filter them out for you, so you just take the you you can take over when you know there is some motivation or interest in negotiating expressed by the realtor, you know? Definitely. Love it. I love it. What are some of the ways that you're finding working now for finding deals? Uh, we do a range of different things. You know, we'll do the traditional stuff, direct uh, mail. Uh, we'll do online stuff. We run we run some radio here in San Antonio as well. Then we do some more, what I'd call the ground and pound stuff, you know, where you really get in some of the, some of the niche lists like on foreclosures and doing some foreclosure door knocking and probate lists and, uh, you know, with those niche lists, we, we like to uh, target the niche list and then skip trace the list so we can get phone numbers and then, uh, you know, do outbound uh, calling on, uh, on those lists as well. Good. And are you finding that it's giving, are you happy with, <laughs> nobody's happy with the number of deals they're getting, but like, <laughs> do you feel like it's, it's working? Yeah. You know, I, I, I feel like you got to have a few, you know, a few, uh, 
things going on in the fire at once or a few lines out in the ocean. And, uh, you know, as, if you've got, you got more than one marketing strategy going at once, you know, if one's, de- if one's not performing, then another one will make up the difference. And I think as long as, you, as, long as you're tracking, you know, your ROI, you know, what, do you, what are you spending on your marketing versus the profits you're generating and then making decisions on, you know, which marketing channels to maybe stop and then which new ones to start, uh, you know, you're going to be optimizing that marketing spend over time. That's what we've found works best. Right. Cool. How is direct mail going for you? Um, you've, you've been doing this for a long time. Is I've been hearing actually from some people that marketing, uh, direct mail is actually going up because so many people are, have been stopped not doing direct mail anymore. But what do you, what do you say? I mean, I've, we've found it to be, to be getting more competitive. So, you know, in order, I guess, to optimize some of our direct mail uh, spend, we've, we've, really, we've cut back on the volume of direct mail that we're doing, but we've tried to be more targeted with the lists that we're going after. But it still works. You know, another thing that I didn't mention that we do, uh, which has been really effective for us, is uh, post-it notes on doors. So, you know, we'll blanket a whole subdivision uh, with, you know, big six-by-eight uh, sticky notes that just say, I want to buy your house and, we're able to get that out total cost for about 17 cents a note. So, you know, we can hit, you can hit a lot of, a lot of houses at a pretty good, pretty good price. I used to do a lot of that. And, and, and how's that going? Yeah, it's always been pretty, pretty consistent for us. You know, I think one of the things that I love about it, I mean, the, the downside is you're hitting a whole neighborhood. So it's not, it's not really like targeted to somebody that, that may be motivated against somebody that's not, but the upside is it's only 17 cents per note. And, it's not a note that's in their letterbox with the rest of their mail. It's a note that's in their face when they enter the house. So, you know, we find we get a good response rate off them. And, um, and, and when we use the, the big ones, the six by eights, we do find that we get calls like months later after hitting an area that people do hold on to those notes if they're thinking about selling, but not, not right there yet. Oh, yeah. And how did you find somebody to put them out for you? Uh, we contacted uh, local door hanging companies, yeah. and uh, and then we we paid them to uh, to put them out. Uh, we pay them, I think, twelve and a half cents a door, and then the note itself costs about four cents. So that's how we get to the we get to sixteen and a half cents from that. That's phenomenal. I was paying a guy fifteen cents a post-it note to deliver it, and it was about I was paying four to five cents. I remember it was around twenty cents per post-it note. And, um, this guy was phenomenal. He was great. You know, he had a high turnover. <laughs> it's hard to keep somebody for a long time to go do your post-it notes, but we could certainly tell when he was out there because the phones would be ringing off the hook. And, you know, I wouldn't say our response rates were better than direct mail, but we were getting leads that direct mail would have never given us. Definitely. Yeah. And then the other thing that I like is if you, if you really like a certain area, you know, you can, you can be hyper focused on getting properties in, in that area. Like a, a good, a good area where I found it worked well in the past, maybe uh, like historic areas or, or areas that are on the verge of, of transitioning. Like, and so the good thing is there's tons of distressed properties in there. They're, it's old houses that have been around for a long time. And, uh, and then they are areas that are hot or becoming hot. So I think it's a nice little combo where you can be hyper focused on those type of older neighborhoods. Very good. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm looking at this deal check software website I was telling you about, and they actually have this thing where 
it's an offer calculator and you put in the property details and you can then it'll back back into your purchase price based on different things maybe minimum cash flow your cash on cash return being at least 8% 10% if you had a rent to value ratio or an ROI return on investment internal rate of return so you could set different returns that you're looking for and it'll come up with the offer that you should be making and then from there it gives you a property analysis that you, you can give to your potential buyers and your clients giving some projections speaking of projections where do you draw the line of like telling a potential client hey you know what it's going to property's going to cost this much it's going to take 20 grand in repairs um or you know we're going to we're projecting it'll rent for 1000 a month and after expenses you should be getting 8% cash on cash return you know do you always give those kinds of numbers or you just tell them approximate ranges does that make sense yeah no we we can you know we'll put hard numbers out on our the stuff that we we, we are trying to sell um sometimes we're selling it and the tenant is already in place so we kind of know the rents and we and you know it's already been repaired if it's if it's before that point you know we're putting in what we what we consider to be the, the the true number, and I guess you know what we understand is that like because we're the ones that are going to be managing the house moving forward. If we're providing numbers that aren't realistic, that relationship isn't going to last in the long run. And you know we want to set up relationships with customers that not just want to buy one or two houses, but people hopefully over time are thinking more about five or ten, and we want to be their partners to help them build out those portfolios over time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, email you this report because I think you might like it. And maybe you already have your own thing. This I, I've just been so impressed with this this report that, they, that these guys have created. This is the deal check? Yeah. It's oh, a, yeah. I, I'm definitely checking out the site. <laughs> I'm going to check out the site for sure. It's like really, really good. And, I, you know, I remember interviewing the guy thinking, Why did, what do you have? Like, what, this is so cheap. Are you sure you know what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it just gives some really good analysis of the property. You can add your photos. You can choose which comps you want to show. It gives you the projections, investment returns, cash flow, equity accumulation. If you sell it, you know how much profit will you make if and when you sell it in 10 years. Good map of the property. Anyway, I want to ask you a question about buyers. Where do you find your buyers? How do you find them? Well, I've uh, as we've been transitioning into this model, I've I've started with investors that I've worked with in the past. You know, private lenders that have worked with me, or or uh, you know, friends or friends of friends, and just kind of spread the word that you know we're we're, we're moving towards this model, and that's really what's enabled us to set up the foundation we've got now. You know, we've got property management companies that we set up set, set up from nothing and managing over 100 properties. Moving forward, I would say as we as we look to grow, I'm definitely interested in in getting attracting clients from all around the world. You know, I think one of the benefits of turnkey real estate is it makes these markets that have the combination of high cash flow yields and strong market appreciation accessible to people from anywhere, you know, anywhere in the world whether you're in Australia or, or whether you're here in the US and um you know, so I think probably moving forward, particularly people on the East Coast and West Coast where they don't have those type of markets or people back home in Australia, you know, I think this is ideal for them. You want to know how we found our buyers? 
I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> it was really easy. We would go in and we would see in the different turnkey markets. There's, you know, there's a lot of good hot turnkey markets like um, San Antonio is one of them. But Memphis, Tennessee, Columbus, Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, um, Houston, Texas, maybe Dallas, Fort Worth. I don't know. That gets kind of expensive in Houston and in parts of Dallas, but um, Las Vegas, even possibly parts of Phoenix. Maybe what you do is you go in and you say, all right, in Marion County, which I think is Indianapolis, Indiana, right? In Marion County, show me all the investor buyers that have purchased properties in the last year from outside of Indiana. It's a really easy list to get. And you can pull that list, maybe get a thousand, couple thousand. And these are, again, these are investors that are buying properties in that county from outside of that state. They could be from California, New York, sometimes out of the country. It doesn't matter. And we would send them simple letters. Hey, I saw that you purchased a house in Indianapolis. Sounds to me like you might be an investor. If you are, I want to tell you if you're and if you're interested in looking for for some more deals, we are the premier real estate investing company in the St. Louis region, and we get properties with consistently great returns, and we've got a great reputation and all that. Just talk briefly about your company, and then say, hey, listen, if you'd like to talk, give us a call. And that phone number on that letter would go directly to either my cell phone or my acquisition guy's cell phone. And we wouldn't get a ton of calls, but the few calls we would get be turned out to be great buyers. And a lot of them would be like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm looking to buy maybe one more house. I don't know. Just thinking about it. And they're testing the waters. They're testing to see if you know what you're doing or not. And then if they like what we have and if they buy one or two houses for us, it's it, it always blew me away how many of them would then say, you know what? We want to buy 10 a month. Uh, we want to buy 20 a month. And, and they knew that all along. They're just kind of testing us to see what we had and what we'd give them. But simple letters like that to buyers that are already buying in other markets from outside of those states, they're great buyers. You know, they already are, um, you know, you know, they're already comfortable with buying properties in other states. And they already understand kind of the the risks involved with it. And they've got money to invest. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a, that's an awesome strategy. So I'll definitely be I'll definitely be having a crack at that. I love it. Hopefully, somebody else listening to this also does it. I learned that from Kent Clothier. I've got to give credit where credit is due. He wrote this book called Reverse Wholesaling, and that's exactly what he says to do there. And I did it thinking, dang, I'm sure everybody does this. I'm sure like these guys are getting hundreds and hundreds of letters, and it, you know. A lot of people are doing it and they are getting a lot of mail, but here's the funny thing. We had so many people tell us the only reason why, well, one of the major reasons why I'm doing deals with you guys is because you answer the phone. You're accessible. You call me back. You answer when I call, call you live. And they got tired and frustrated with working with these other guys in these other markets, you know, cause they were hard to get a hold of, you know, once they start buying deals, they, they just become difficult to work with. They become hard to talk to. They get tired or frustrated with whatever property management company they're working with in that city. And they get your letter right at the right time. They call you. And unlike anybody else that they've tried to work with in the past, you answer your phones. Game changer. It's, that's how you stand out above all your competition. And you probably already know that, Jeremy. I'm just telling this for everybody out there listening. No, it's a, it's a great I mean, it's a great strategy. I think 
get those buyers. And um, and another, another pool of buyers that we haven't haven't spoke about, which this is an area that I'm super passionate. You know, I feel like most people out there have some type of retirement savings that they have, like 401k plans or you know something equivalent. And but I think there's just such a small percentage of people that understand that you can use those for, for investing in real estate. And, um, yeah. you know, I have a few clients that have, that have started purchasing properties with me where I hook them up with a lender that provides a non-recourse lending so that they can, they can leverage the capital they've got in their retirement accounts and uh, build rental portfolios that way. And, uh, you know, I think when you stack up the, the benefits and the returns that you're going to get from the real estate portfolios versus the stock-based plans, I just don't think there's much comparison in the long run, especially if, you, if you're in the right market, which is key. Yeah, good. Excellent. So, Jeremy, a couple final questions here. Um, somebody who's listening to this maybe is just getting started in real estate and they're, they like this idea maybe of finding deals and putting them together, packaging them, sending them selling these kinds of deals to other investors. Any, what recommendations and advice would you give to somebody who's thinking about maybe wanting to start a turnkey business? I mean, I think that it all, you know, it all starts with the first step. If you've done no real estate investing whatsoever, then I would, you know, the best place to start is always getting contracts and, and wholesaling deals. So you may even be able to, to wholesale a deal to a person who's looking to build their own rental portfolio and, you know, that's probably where I'd recommend most people to start. If, if you've already got experience and you're rehabbing houses and or maybe you, you're, you're good at marketing to, to, to certain buyers, you know, focus on, I think, the service that you really that you really want to offer the clients and uh, and and clearly define, you know, what you and your business do and, and the benefits that they can provide to those clients. And then, um, you know, once you're able to articulate that, that's really the starting point, I think. And then, you know, obviously – you know, then you got to build the build the machine that that's going to deliver that. You know, probably one of the best things I could give to somebody is, I think I agree with you. Find the investors like you that are buying these properties, that are selling them to turnkey deals, uh, turnkey buyers, and find out what are you looking for. What kind of properties are you looking for? What areas? What price ranges? What rent prices? You know, like what kind of work does it need to have? be able, uh, you know, need to have done or whatnot. And then go find the deals for guys like Jeremy Heath. Go see what they want, find them the deals, bring it to them. That's got to be a good way to learn how to do this business, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cool. Good, good. Anything else you want to say? How can people get a hold of you, Jeremy? So the best way to get a hold of me would be to visit our website, which is AmericanTurnkeyProperties.com. And, uh, you know, what I like to offer people who are interested in building these portfolios is, uh, you know, we, we set up a consultation where, you know, I, th I think the, the starting point in doing this is you have to have clarity on your, your vision and your goals for the longer term. And so the process I've worked through with people is to first start with understanding what their goals are, what the vision is, the time frame for that. And then once we've got clarity on that, we can then start to work out what type of rental portfolio they need to put together that's going to help them achieve those goals. Um, and what I found in working through the process is everyone, first of all, has different goals and objectives and, and probably starting from a different place. But the cool thing is you can customize these plans to really suit any whatever the individual's needs are. So that's something that I personally really love doing. It's part of why I got into this business because I, I do feel like real estate's 
the place to invest and the place to build wealth. And so, you know, I like to try work with people and help them, help them work out the plan that's going to do that for them. Very good. So a website again is American Turnkey Properties with an S dot com. Yep, that's correct. And cool. uh, and then if anyone's interested in the book, uh, you can order the book on Amazon, which is 10,000 Miles of the American Dream. Um, or you can find out more about uh, me and, and the other authors at realestatemates.com. Nice. Realestatemates.com. Very cool. All right, Jeremy. I see the website here. Looks good. Thanks for being on the podcast. Appreciate yeah, it. No worries, Joe. I really appreciate you having me on. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. All right. Again, guys, the website's realestatemates.com or turnkey, American Turnkey Properties.com. Thank you, Jeremy, again, for being on the show. Get his book, guys, 10,000 Miles to the American Dream. You'll get a lot of value out of it. And if you're at all interested in working with Jeremy and on some of and buying some of their houses in San Antonio, we have a lot of overseas listeners, international listeners. And I will say this, I love the San Antonio market. It's a great market to invest in. I highly recommend it. If you can um, work with guys like Jeremy, get some good deals, get some good property management in place, you'll, you'll, you're going to have a lot of success. Cool. All right. Hey, thanks again, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Appreciate it, Mike. Hey, guys, don't forget, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to get the show notes, get the transcription of this podcast, to get any kind of links. If you're driving and you couldn't write those links down, you can get them at on our show notes at realestateinvestingmastery.com. Also, go to iTunes and whatever other podcast player that you listen to and subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Appreciate you guys all very much. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.